0: Widely published household name in photography, did you imagine you would end up producing the kind of work that you are now when you first started?
1: Oh God, no. <laughs> I don't know anybody who ever could really imagine where the art would take them. Um, no, in the beginning, it wasn't even about so much as where I wanted it to be. I really just tried to be better than the picture before. So that's right. always been my goal, even back then. And it's the same even now. Like every time I take a photo and edit it, I always try and like bring with me the lessons that I've learned from my experience before and then try and make what I'm doing now in the present better than that.
0: And um, there's a mm. quote of yours from an interview I read a little while ago, um, which is uh, attention to detail is what sets a great picture apart from a good picture. So how do you maintain that high attention to detail? And was it something that you had to teach yourself?
1: Oh, definitely something I had to teach myself. I actually learned about... I actually started thinking about things that way when I met my partner. So Prateek Naik, he's a high-end retoucher. Like That's his job, he retouches images. And when we first started working together, I would show him my pictures and ask him um, to clean it. Well, you know, to just do his thing. And then while talking to him, he would be like, yeah, you know, I did this and the other. And I noticed that as a retoucher, you have to be really... Um, attention detail orientated because you're, you know, cleaning the scene. And so once I, like, once that spark happened in my mind, like, oh, you can do that. That's when I think things really began to shift for my creative eye because I started to really be really analytical about exactly what was not just like not just what I would edit in Photoshop, but really what was noticeable in the frame as I was taking a photo. Mm. So I got that really from him.
0: Uh, how do you maintain that? Obviously, because of the, the the amount of shoots that you're doing, is it something that you have to kind of have a checklist with you, or do you take a moment, like as you go to start a set, to just make sure everything's in place?
1: A little bit of both, actually. So I definitely have a checklist. Um, a checklist is really useful, especially if you have a lot of things you need to keep in mind. So I always make sure I have a physical checklist, but then obviously when you're in the thick of a shoot, you can't really, you know, sometimes refer back to the checklist, but that's usually when I would give myself a pause and after every shot or after every like 10 shots, take a minute, go through the files, see what it is that I need to sharpen, tidy up. And if I have my checklist handy, I'll just like quickly take it out of my pocket and just like go through making sure that I'm hitting everything that I want to hit because we're only in that moment of the shoot once. So you kind of want to like nail it as best as possible. So just try and yeah, whatever you can do to make that whole process easier for yourself, just do it. But after a while, it does become routine. Like there'll definitely be some things that you will remember um, just because you, you do it all the time. Like it just becomes normal.
0: So your work is a blend of fashion and beauty mixed with fairy tales. Uh, why do fairy tales play such a huge part in your inspiration?
1: Honestly, because I love fantasy and fantasy books and fantasy movies and fantasy storylines. I don't know why I've always been really connected with them ever since I was little. um, I just love the whimsy of it all and the fact that anything can happen in those worlds where not a lot of the storylines, you know, people can fly and there's dragons and there's talking animals and there's just, you know, a scope of imagination that we just don't and possibility that we just don't have in our real world. So I'm really drawn to that. So that does come into my work when I am making personal work, because at the end of the day, personal work is work just for yourself. And it's where all of your interests come and collide and create something that is uniquely you. Um, so, yeah, that that's where, where that comes from. <laughs>
0: So when you're developing a concept for a shoot do you collaborate with the team at the idea stage or do you plan everything yourself and then just direct the team accordingly
1: so depends on whether I'm shooting for myself or whether I'm shooting for a client so whenever I'm shooting for a client I always make sure that the client is fully involved from the very beginning and that I am also incredibly involved from the very beginning and we bring the idea together and the concept is worked on together and some clients are, you know, easy, and they let me, you know, kind of have my free creative brain, and that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But it's different when you're working with a client. And then when I'm working for myself, um, I make sure that I reach out to designers and a team that I want to bring together for particular vision that I have. And in that case, I'm the one very much running the ship. So the creative vision for that moving forward is pretty much uh, all of me. Um, but then at the same time you can't really say that because if i'm bringing together designers and stuff like that usually they'll their pieces of clothes or their outfits or um you know headpieces etc will play a huge part in the concept of the like how an image is born okay so yeah it's definitely a mixture of collaboration and my own creative vision
0: um so based on the idea of your own personal work, if that was to be, um, of interest to a publication, would you compromise your original idea for the publication or would you prefer to kind of retain the creative control, but lose the potential for that publication?
1: That's a really good question. I think it really depends on what you're after. So if you are after getting a lot more mag- into magazines, etc., then you're just going to have to meet their, uh, their, their, ideas and what they what they're looking for so yeah that's definitely something that you should do and then if you're somebody who also wants to who's not so interested in that then just stick to your own thing however you can also compromise so i do believe that it is possible to shoot for the for the publication get those images out of the way and then take like an hour after the shoot and just shoot your own uh, and bring your own vision to life so i don't think you can be limited um and i don't think you should be limited try and find a way to make it work
0: uh, so given that you post a lot of your images um, as stories, how important is it for you to get standalone shots as well as the connective shots behind the narrative?
1: Um, I, don't, I don't know. I think initially when I first started sharing my work, it wasn't even so much about stories. It was actually about the standalone shot, because at that time when I was shooting, I didn't have much time. So I would always like, focus on just the one shot. And to be honest, I find myself still really drawn to it. And then that one shot began to expand into a narrative that I wanted to explore. So it just depends on how strong I feel that I can deliver a story um, during the shoot itself. So I always try and give myself more options now where I will definitely nail that one shot because I do feel the hero shots are what I'm still very much about. And then whenever possible, I will definitely like take the narrative story the narrative shots too because i do feel like especially for different platforms it does it does add to the it does add to the magic of that one hero shot so i'm really conscious of social media as you can tell so yeah for i definitely noticed that a lot of the like i love telling stories but i also noticed that a lot of people who follow me on social media love the stories too and that's why the narratives started to really kind of come alive because of the Uh, Feedback I was getting from
0: people. So, with your images being so detailed um, on set, how much room is there for improvisation?
1: Oh, loads of room. (laughs) I think a lot of people are under the misconception that I plan every detail out and a, a vision comes to life exactly as I envisioned it, but actually, that's not true. What happens usually is I'll have a rough idea of what I want to create. And then the reality is that the vision itself is born when I'm in the process of capturing it. So that's when I really take into account what's happening with the light, what's happening with the shadow, what's happening with the model and her expression and all of these things feed the overall image But they happen in real time. So yeah, I don't plan to, I don't plan, I don't over plan, but I plan enough that when it's in front of me, I can, I can, yeah, I can bring it to life, and that's usually when a lot of the detail part comes into it. So when it's like, you know, when I'm there on shoot, I will tidy up all the details. I will take away details, add details, and then later in Photoshop, I control that even more.
0: Uh, So I apologize in advance because this is quite a broad question. Um, But Mm. in your opinion, can creativity be taught? Uh,
1: That's a really interesting question. I don't know if it can be taught as much as ex as a space invited for people to open up, I do believe that everybody is creative. Like, honestly, we all are. We can't live our life without, um, you know, being creative in one way or another. So if like something's broken in your house, you fix it. Guess what? You're being creative when you're fixing it. Or if you're making a cake, then you're being creative by making cake. And especially like if you're cooking and you're just throwing in spices, you're being creative. So I don't think creativity needs to be taught. I do think creativity needs creativity needs to be Um, I just think people need to be opened up to it more because when we're little as children, we are always told we can do anything we ever wanted to. And we're invited to like try loads of different things. And then the older we get, suddenly we're like painting less or we're drawing less or we're, you know, doing less and less things. And we're kind of told that, you know, academics is the right way to go. And there's more pressure placed on that, like a getting grades. Um, which you know it's, it's obviously it's all fine. But I do think that when it comes to creativity, just being open to the fact that you can do whatever you want is a form of creativity. And then all that's left after that is exploring all the different education platforms out there that will feed and like feed your knowledge in whatever interest you have. So I think that's sure. something that we're not encouraged to do as much as possible. Like we're not encouraged to feed that interest, but we should.
0: Um, what qualities are you looking for in a model for your work?
1: Um, honestly, a good attitude. So when it comes to shooting with me, especially, it's not easy because I do like take us out into the woods or I do take us, you know, into some really like muddy places and it might be a really cold day and it might be raining and I'll still be like, actually, so we'll just shoot on with the rainy weather. So it's not always easy, easy, but having a model with a really great attitude is something that is really invaluable to me because also what then happens is that connection, if we haven't met before, translates into friendship. And so nearly all the people that I've ever worked with, I can honestly say, like I yeah, where well, we've become friends after that because it's such a intimate thing to shoot. I and mean, whenever I'm shooting, it is very like I'm we're connecting. Um, so yeah, I just think a really good attitude is just really important.
0: Um, a kind of a weird question, but are you more critical of images when they're of a model as opposed to a self-portrait, or is it are you more critical of yourself compared to the model?
1: But honestly, no, I'm critical either way. <laughs> I'm I'm really critical whether it's myself or whether it's somebody else because, especially with a lot of my work, it's incredibly character-driven. So it's not even so much about who they are or who I am; it's about how is the character coming alive in this image? And so, yeah, when I step out of it like that, I'm equally as critical.
0: Do you have a favorite set of images from your portfolio?
1: Um, yes and no. So no, because I love them all, because they're all my babies. And yes, because some of them have stories uh, that I just connect with more. So there's an image called The kiss. Um, it's on my website. It's also on my blog and on my YouTube because I made a video about it. And I'm particularly connected to that because of the way it came together. It was a really serendipitous shoot and one that I'd been planning for a really long time in my head. But, the, the you know, the cards had never like played out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until that day, until like within two days, all the pieces were together. We'd had, you know, I had a message from a friend saying, oh, I'd recommend another friend who's coming from Australia. And it was just really strange but wonderful how it all came together and we went out to shoot it. And usually it's raining in England and it was beautifully sunny. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just a moment. It was just a lot of lovely, serendipitous moments that felt like we were all exactly what we were meant to be at that point in time.
0: Do you often have sets of images that don't work out or shoots that just have um, real setbacks that just kind of, it doesn't end up going in the direction you want it to and you have to scrap it?
1: Oh, my God, so many. Um, I actually have a lot of shoots to edit, just because I've been really nervous to face them. Actually, because the shoot itself wasn't wasn't the best, not for any other reason from anybody else, because everybody else performed wonderfully. It was honestly just myself, like I wasn't in the right mental space, and that does happen because you know we're all people, and if you, there've definitely been times when I haven't been feeling the best and or the most creative. Uh, or particularly inspired, but we've pulled together a shoot and I feel like I have to execute it. So yeah, it's normal. It's just human nature, but ultimately it's worth to like go back and see what you've created. And if you, even if it doesn't work out, it's okay too, because even from then I've managed, I've learned a lot of lessons about myself and how to manage my mental health so that I can perform really well on shoots.
0: Do you have a favorite photographer or favorite photographers currently?
1: I do have a photographer that I admire. I don't know if I would call him my favorite photographer, but I have somebody that I do really admire. Um, and that's Tim Walker. He's a British photographer here in the UK. And I really am drawn to his ethos in the way he creates his pictures. Um, his work obviously has changed style because, as any photographer and artist, your work evolves with you. And his work. His work has evolved, but his ethos is still the same. He's still very playful and very imaginative. And that ethos is what I'm drawn to. I try to like bring that with me, with my work. And I try to, you know, lessen a lot of the pressures on myself and make my work as light and playful as possible for me. And then hopefully that energy translates into the finished pieces.
0: Uh, So the changes that you make to the um, to your images in terms of color in post production is that something that's planned at the shooting stage or is that left open to possibilities when you come around to editing it?
1: A little bit of both. I definitely can say honestly now I'm a lot more conscious about color on set. So I never really used to be um, before when I was shooting earlier in my journey because at that time you're focusing more on like you know poses and lighting etc. But now I definitely am a lot more conscious of color from the very beginning. How does the scene look in front of me? And how can I utilize the colors um, in front of me so that I can like make them the best in post-production? And you can only kind of get to that place when you're really comfortable, I think, in post-production too. So I'm very much a color junkie. I even have my own color toning platform where I share um, my colors with my community because, you know, it's something that I slowly became known for. And I've definitely started to become really critical of myself because whenever you're teaching something, you want to be very good at it. So yeah, it's just fantastic. Like everything I learn now, I just share.
0: Um, so I think you're referring to uh, the Color Lab. Um, so for people that don't know uh, yeah. what that is, do you want to just give us a rundown of what that is?
1: Yeah, sure. So the Color Lab is my little color training platform. And I really uh, started it so that I could share everything that I've learned so far in my journey. So I'm an educator anyway, do workshops and I give talks, but colors are something that's really difficult to translate on a, you know, um, in a, just like a one day class, because there's so many nuances about how to color tone and then how to approach color toning in particular. So the color toning platform is one that I set up so that, Anybody from around the world has access to great color toning education and ethos and approach. And yeah, there's loads of products on there. Uh, There's loads of products on there that are both my own. And then what I've also done is I've started reaching out to other leading photographers in our field and asking them to create custom tones for us and custom educational videos for us. So yeah, if you're interested in taking your colors to another level or, you know, learning more about color tuning, then yeah, go ahead, check it out. Um, And I hope there's something in there for you.
0: Apologies if this is a stupid question, but um, Mm. the the presets and actions and and whatnot, are they created sort of for the website or are they something that you have sort of built over time and integrated into your work and then you're passing on?
1: So that's a really good question. Um, I do get asked that a lot. And actually the, the real answer is I make those actions for myself. And then when I really, if the ones that I really, really like, I then package them and sell them on my color shop. So I don't believe in like selling something just because they are like just for something. I always try and like make sure I stand behind my product. So everything that's on my shop is stuff that I use already. Um, Yeah. Because otherwise what's the point? (laughs) I have to completely love it and then, and use it in my own work, which I do. And it made my whole workflow really easy. Um, and that's why I yeah sell it and I'm so proud
0: of it. So you've obviously got an enormous uh, social media following. You're widely published. You're really well known as a photographer, but do you suffer from the same thing that a lot of people do when it comes to like imposter syndrome, where you start to worry about your work or you start to dislike your work from time to time, you get a bit low about the stuff that you're putting out and then you kind of have to, um, to either take a break or boost yourself back up into um, enjoying it again?
1: Oh gosh, yes. I honestly don't know anybody who hasn't experienced that, um, especially when you're a creator. So I, I'm still kind of a, a little bit in the middle of it, but more to the end of it now. But I really started suffering with imposter syndrome around 2017, um, when photography started to become a little bit more serious as a career. And yeah, that's when I really began to struggle with imposter syndrome and just really feeling like everything I created was not good really bad and it took a good 2 years to get over it so 2017 2017 18 and half of 2019 were really difficult for me and the only way i actually started getting over it was by investing in education and learning about my skill set because if i know that my skill set is i felt like in my head by understanding my skill level and knowing that i could deliver great images and you know really testing 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 and doing a lot of personal work in different settings so knowing that i could deliver something that i said i wanted to that really really does help with the imposter syndrome because you start to have a tangible thing that you can say like you know yes i can deliver that and that was a problem before i think before i felt like i couldn't and that i said i could but the reality was I, I i wasn't really 100% certain that i could so I really like push myself to become better at my craft. And so that way I could you know, use that as a way to, to tell myself that it's okay. You can do this. I have imposter syndrome in so many other ways now, but again, you just had to tackle, you just had to tackle it and be, see what the problem is. And then, yeah, just make a little plan on how to tackle it um, and help yourself.
0: So you said about, um, teaching that you do, um, educating, how did that sort of start for you and, and what have you learned about yourself from doing it?
1: So I kind of started with workshops. So around 2015, I held my first workshop and I really enjoyed it. I surprised myself by how much I enjoyed it. And I, I had always thought that, you know, I would worked so hard for all this knowledge and I worked really hard for those skills and it took me so long to get there. That it felt really strange to just like share everything really quickly in one day, but after that, I was watching the students that I'd had, and they were their work level had you know become a lot better, and they were so proud of the images that they were showing me and their improvements, and to know that I had played that part in their journey, and it was such a positive feeling that I'd played such a great part in their creative journey. That is what inspired me to really start thinking about making more educational opportunities. So I started doing more workshops and we did a couple of retreats and then I started getting invited by other people to host workshops in their countries. And then through it all, a community started to form. And I now have a community over on Facebook. Um, for anybody who wants to join, it's like fairy tales and fantasy with Bella K. And there's a community over there. It's like, you know, all of the people who are inspired by like my photography or just, you know, fa- fairy tale photography anyway. And I share things in there too. So I really find it wonderful to learn and share. And especially when you're in that position, what also happens is that you become really inspired to learn more so that you can share more. So because I was sharing a lot and I felt like, oh no, that's it. Like I've shared everything I know. That's now inspired me to like learn more. So mm-hmm. anything that I'm nervous about, I like go out of my way and learn shoot test, understand it, and then come back and share it. Um, so yeah, it helps you grow too. So you give a lot, but you receive a lot. You receive even more, I think actually. Yeah.
0: You're a, your partner is a retoucher and a photographer himself. Is that a good dynamic to have where you're both creatives? Um, does, does there any times where you kind of clash over ideas or do you kind of feed into each other's creativity?
1: We definitely feed into each other's creativity. I think it's really wonderful how we met, um, and also just the kind of person he is. He's not somebody who is competitive in 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 our partnership, and it's the same with me. I, we don't compete as well because we really respect each other's vision. So he's a retoucher, which is wonderful because I take photos. Um, but his actual initial passion before retouching was photography. So through working with me and working with other photographers and. I'm very supportive, anyway. So, yeah, we've he's started to take up photography, so he's actually shooting now. And I do know a couple. I do know some couples who are both photographers, and some really struggle with that because they almost clash a bit too much. But if you can find a partner who's in the same industry as you, it really does make it so easy. Um, especially because we have so much in common, and we can work together. And I think for us, it's really important that. If he wins, I'm winning too. And if I win, he's winning. Like we're both 100% on each other's team. So there's no, there's no, there's nothing about competition at all there, which is really, really great.
0: How are you coping with the lockdown? Are you finding ways to still be creative? Are you planning out new shoots? How are you coping with it all?
1: I'm. Keeping myself really busy. So, I think that with the lockdown, it initially I got really, you know, as we all did, I think, really like strange feelings and a bit nervous about what things, you know, how the world is changing and feeling unsettled. But I think I work really well when I have a list of things to do and it almost serves as a distraction. So, basically anything that distracts you, whether that's Netflix or cleaning or whatever, is, you know, not a bad thing. Um, so, right now for me, I'm in spending this time tidying up my um, life a little bit. So a lot of admin work and the color lab. So I'm focusing on it 100% because I'm not traveling and I'm not shooting my photography work. So right now my educational platform is getting my, all of my attention. We've created some new products for it. I've been going through my PSDs and I've decided to do some digital backdrops. So they're coming soon. Um, Yeah. It's just really, really exciting for me because everything that I'd had planned for this platform, I now have the time to do it. So I'm going to make the most of it.
0: So something that we do at the end of all of these is make sure, and it feels slightly ironic for me to be doing this considering the size of your following, but we try and make sure that everyone knows where they can find you online. So if you could let us know your social media links and your website and so on.
1: Yeah. So you can find me um, on any platform uh, with the username Bella Kotak. I'm really lucky that I managed to like grab the name across all the platforms. So I'm on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Tumblr, YouTube, and Facebook, my Facebook page. And I'm also on TikTok now. I just started TikToking yesterday. Um, So that's very exciting. But yeah, you can find me anywhere online under Bella KTAC. And IG actually is a place where I am most of the time on Instagram. So if you want to connect with me, most likely uh, just drop me a message on Instagram.
0: Thank you so much for doing this. It's been wonderful to talk to you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. This was great.